Amen. Judges chapter 15, if you will. Judges chapter 15. I appreciate those are all school teachers in our school and our Christian school we have here. We're so thankful uh, for them and all our teachers. I pray for them. They have one more full week and then a half week. And you know, when it gets to this point in the school year, the kids are just thrilled uh, to be in school and they're so hungry to learn. And uh, so pray for them as they finish out the school year strong and that God will use them. Of course, we'll continue. Uh, our sermon series through the book of Judges, but specifically, uh, really a series on Samson. Samson, had, of course, has four chapters dedicated to him in the Bible. Often, t- some judges only barely got a verse. And uh, Samson has much to learn, not necessarily to emulate in his life, but much to learn uh, from him. But this particular few verses kind of do give us a glimpse into really where Samson got to the point where God was really using him and got him to the point he wanted him to. And it was interesting how God him there. Uh, and may I say that oftentimes we can live in our, for selfish pleasures and we can live for our own, but sometimes there's those pivotal points in our life where God gets our attention. And maybe that's you right now. May I encourage you to turn to the Lord and allow him to work in your life. Because when you're in the perfect will of God, there's no better place to be. And uh, we see Samson here this morning. And Judges 15, verse 18, once you've found it, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet this morning, if you're physically able to, uh, for the reading of God's Word, uh, we'll just read a few verses this morning, and then we'll get right into uh, the message as we walk through these verses. The Bible says, and he was sore thirst. Of course, we know he was sore thirst, because he had just worked very hard, and, and God had used him to do a great victory in killing a thousand uh, Philistines. And the Bible says, and called on the Lord. This is the first time that Samson's done this so far. And said, thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. But God clave in hollow place that was in the jaw. And there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof and Hakor which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel on the days of the Philistines 20 years. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. You certainly are a great God. Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, looking at a man who, Lord, has had some rough patches, but he's finally got to a place where you can use him for his intended purpose. And Lord, I pray you help each and every one of us, no matter where we are in our journey of faith. Or maybe we're searching for you. Maybe we don't know you. Maybe we don't know we need you. Or maybe we come to that realization this morning as we learn that in Samson's life. Or maybe we know for sure we're going to heaven. Maybe we have had you use us in life, but maybe we've grown content with where we are. And Lord, our our abilities, Lord, our our things we've accumulated, Lord, may we uh, learn afresh and anew that we need you. We've got to have you. Lord, I pray that you'll help us as we learn from the life of Samson today, this prayer he gives, Lord, this condition he's in, this cry, Lord, and Lord, how you respond to that cry. Be with our nursery, Lord, be with our children's church, be with our youth, be with those online, Lord, tuning in. Lord, I pray that every single person who hears this morning, may they respond to your word. Lord, I pray they'll look past the messenger and look to the message, Lord, the authority of your word. I pray that you'll use me in a special way. May you clear my mind. Lord, may you fill me with your Holy Spirit power. Lord, may it not be about me, but all about you. May we walk away, Lord, with a renewed desire to serve you more. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Years ago, there was a lawyer 
who was driving his car down the street, came to a stop sign, but really he did a California stop and he rolled right through. He's feeling pretty confident and good about himself until he saw some red and blue lights behind him. The lawyer got pulled over and the police officer came up to him and, and said, why didn't you stop at the stop sign? The lawyer said, oh, I pretty much did. What's the difference? And the policeman said, well, let me prove it to you. There is a difference between slow down and stop. The lawyer tried to argue with him, but got out of the, the car, and, and the police officer took his baton and swatted him a few times. The lawyer couldn't believe it, and he said, what in the world are you doing? And the police officer said, well, now do you want me to stop or slow down? <laughs> and oftentimes in life, we can be in the same mood or the same mode, can we not? We think we're doing okay when in all reality, God says, hey, wait a minute here. Uh, what you think is right or what you think you're doing may not be exactly what I've intended for you, what I have for you. And Samson's finally starting to get a rude awakening. He's getting swatted, if you will. And he's realizing that uh, what he's been doing up to this point has been all about himself and his own glory. And God's miraculously helped him. And really, it frustrates the average Christian, does it not? How did Samson get so used of God, but yet so little of his life really resembled the Christian's life or what we would think you should live? But God, of course, shows Samson that through a desperate situation that he is the only person who can help him. And he's the only person who can give him hope for his future. And Samson is in his weakest moment, but he was never stronger spiritually than during this this time. And so this morning, let's see Samson's finest hour. And uh, let's look at verse number 18. And if you're writing this morning, we see Samson's condition. Samson's condition. The Bible says, and he was sore athirst. He was thirsty. Uh, This week has been a wonderful hot weather. And, of course, four children, and they go out and play, and they're ready for this hot weather. After they've been out in the heat for a little bit, they come in. Oh, we're going to die. Oh, their cheeks are bright red. You know, their hair is sticking up, and sweat's pouring out. We're just going to die. We've got to get something to drink. And Samson here is, is thirsty, the Bible says. And we see two types of thirst. The reason, first of all, was he was physically drained. He's just come out of a heated battle, and he strikes down a thousand men. Now, I've never done that. I don't know how he feels. But I will say I've hacked blackberries long enough, and I don't know a little bit about hacking. It wears you out. And he's tired, and he's hot, and it's the wheat harvest time. So no doubt the sun is pouring down, and there's dirt everywhere, and maybe the hot breeze is coming through, and he just couldn't find any water, and he's just just totally just drained. Of course, we see in verse 16 and 17 that he slays a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. And we see he's just physically drained. We see he's also spiritually depleted. The Spirit obviously has enabled him to do this, but now, of course, has fallen back. And it's interesting to me that the very guy who could take uh, green ropes tied around him and break through like it was nothing, the very guy who could kill a thousand men, the very guy who could take 30 men's life to take their changes of clothing to pay back a a gambling debt he had, that very man is sore of thirst and thinks he's going to die. And so we see he's physically drained, but he's spiritually depleted. The Holy Spirit must have 
left him a little bit. And he doesn't feel as energized. And we see it's interesting that he kills a thousand armed men. He's so empowered by the Spirit. But yet Samson shows no patience, no humility, and no self-control. But isn't it interesting that even in our Christian lives, this can happen to us as well. You see, we're not uh, uh, enabled by the Word of God, and we're not enabled by a close walk with God. In fact, we've probably even grieved the Spirit, or we've even quenched the Spirit. And we're trying to manufacture out of our own strength things that happens, and we can rely on our abilities, and we can rely on our gifts that the Spirit has enabled us with, and we can rely on all the manufactured things. But at the end of the day, we're not really pleasing to the Lord. You see, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 that the gifts of the Spirit are skills for doing. The gift that God enabled you with are for serving and helping people. But can they not also be used for other things as well? How many times has God gifted someone only for them to use it for their own selfish gain or personal thing? And I just want to say this morning, it is possible to have the gifts of the Spirit yet lack the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is the character traits of being. The gift of the Spirit is the skills for doing. How oftentimes do we have the skills for doing, but we lack the character traits that the Spirit wants to manufacture in our lives. The qualities such as peace and patience and gentleness and temperance, which is self-control. So oftentimes we rely on the gift of the Spirit that we forget to allow the fruit of the Spirit to come out of our life. We're great at our job, but when we go home, we are an awful dad or an awful husband. We're great at our job, maybe, but great in the church. And we seem to have it all together, but when we're at home or in the workplace, we're a totally different person. You see, Samson here had the gift of the Spirit, but he was not allowing the fruit of the Spirit to come out of his life. Paul writes about it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass. So I have the gift of prophecy. Though I have all faith, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I just submit to us this morning, if you are allowing or leaning on the gift of the Spirit in your life to do things for God, but do not allow the fruit of the Spirit to come out of your life, what, what, what is a profit? You see, we need Christian leaders, we need fathers, we need mothers, we need grandparents, we need leaders in the church who are not just going to have the gift of the Spirit in their life, but they're also going to have the fruit of the Spirit coming out of their life. And we see Samson here is struggling with this very thing. The Spirit of the Lord is coming upon him. And in a sense, he is doing a little bit of what he's supposed to be doing. He's beginning to deliver to individual out of the bondage of Philistines, but he is not what we would call an authentic, true Christian. May I say the world has seen enough of quote-unquote Christians. May we be guilty of showing the world a true Christian that truly loves God. And so we see this morning the reality, the reason, if you will, of Samson's condition. He was spirit, physically drained. He was spiritually depleted. And may we, we also can become physically drained. We also can, can be spiritually depleted. But I want us to see that, that Samson also 
uh, uh, had the reality of his condition. The Bible says, and now shall I die from thirst. He thinks he's going to die. Reminds me of the story of two old friends, Ned and John. They lived for baseball. They just loved baseball. One day John died and left Ned inconsolable. A few weeks later, Ned heard someone calling his name. He looked up and on a cloud was his old pal John. John said, Ned, old buddy pal, I have good news and bad. The good news is there's baseball in heaven. Wow. John called down. Ned was so excited. He said, what's the bad news? He says, well, you're pitching Sunday. And, uh, you know, Samson here thinks he's going to die. And God brings Samson to this very point just to teach him a very important lesson. God allows Samson to come to a place of total inability. For the first time in his life, Samson realizes he's not self-sufficient. He may have been able to kill a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey, but he needed God for the most basic details of his life. And Samson is learning the valuable truth that you and I must learn. John 15, 5, without him, we can do nothing. Many times we can act self-sufficient, but the truth is without him, we are nothing. Years ago, when I pastored in Turlock, California, we had moved from the hotel to the Adventist church, and we had a chapel there that they let us use because they met on Saturdays. And our church was growing, and it was exciting, and we, we, we kind of uh, uh, were struggling in our music area. We, uh, 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 we needed a piano player, and we tried the tracks, uh, and they were, that made it worse, you know. So we just did a cappella, not, not near the great music we got to hear this morning. And by the way, they did a fantastic job, and I believe it was God-honoring. But a gentleman came to our church, him and his wife, and, and they visited. And of course, I followed up on every single family that visited. And I, I stopped in their home. Their name was Virgil and Jan Vaughn. And they had a gated community. And I, they gave me the wrong passcode. I finally got in there. You say, how do you figure it out? Don't worry. But I can get in. No, I'm teasing. They finally gave me the right code and I got in. And I sat down with them and he said, you know, we really liked your church. You're the type of church we're looking for. But don't know if we'll be attending. I said, Why? Well, because my wife can play the piano, and I can lead singing, but we're probably not going to be attending. I said, that's exactly what we need. He says, I know. We're in our 80s, and we're tired. We've served God all our life, and don't know if we're going to do it anymore. I said, okay, tell you what. I won't make you lead singing or play the piano. Just come and sit. And they did. After three weeks, he came up to me and said, you know what? We want to help your music program. <laughs> I said, praise the Lord. And so they did. His wife played, and he would sing, and, and God really uh, started using that couple. They be, he became a deacon in our church, and, and it wasn't long before he came up to me every, every Monday morning. He'd help me count the offer. He said, okay, Pastor Justin, what's next? Man, God's really working. What are we going to do next? I'm thinking, excuse me, you just said you're done, you know. Um, okay, let's go. And God was really working with them. We'd have lunch together, and, and he had become a self-made millionaire. He had, he had worked as a lineman for PG&E, and he had invested his money right, bought the right house, sold at the right time, and did that several times. And God had really blessed him. I said, Brother Virgil, I said, tell me, how'd you do it? I mean, help this young guy figure this out. And he said, well, without him... I'd be nothing. And that Sunday, he sang a song in church, a special. He was te from Texas. 
He was a Navy man. But he had that draw about him when he sang, Without him, I would be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. And he went through that song. Oh, without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. And he would sing. And he'd say, thank Jesus. He'd always get to that point. But with Jesus, Lord God, I am saved. And it was just like, wow. And you'd sit there and say, wow. And then it dawned on me that day. He really means what he says. And that's why he sings that song. Without God, he's nothing. And may I encourage us today. Samson finally came to that point of self-sufficient. I gotta have God. And we live in a great area here, and I'm thankful for the way God's blessed this area. And many of us are doing well financially, and we're doing well maybe in taking care of things. And God's blessing us, and we're enjoying life. But may I always encourage us that you can never get to a place where you don't need God anymore. And Samson understood for the first time, wow, I can't do this alone. I don't want to do this alone. The ropes I could fix, uh, 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 the people I could take care of, but... I need water. I'm thirsty. I gotta have God's help. And he cried out to God. He thirsted. Why do we need Jesus Christ? Well, I think Samson gives us a picture of Christ, of his thirst. He said, What are you talking about, Pastor Justin? Well, years later, Jesus came to earth for one purpose to one day die on the cross to pay for your sin and my sin. If you remember when he was in the garden, he agonized in pain. And he says, Father, is it your will? And Jesus said, yes, your, your will, my will. And, and God says, my will. And so Jesus says, well, not my will, but thine be done. He was nailed to a cross. The Bible says there was, uh, he took all the sins of all mankind. God, the Father, had to turn his back on his own son. He couldn't see it. And Jesus bore that agony and he bled and, and he died on that cross. And, and, he, and he says, it is finished. The Bible says then, he said this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. After he had redeemed mankind, after his precious blood, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. After finally paying for everything on the cross and doing his father's will, he said... I thirst. You realize this morning Jesus didn't thirst for water. They gave him vinegar and gall to mock him. But he says, I thirst to show that I've accomplished redemption. And just like Samson had accomplished the redemption, if you will, of his people of killing all those people, and he had agonized, Jesus Christ on a far greater scale did that for you and me on the cross. What would possess someone to do that? Because of his love for you and me. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. The Bible says we are all sinners. For all have sinned and come short. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you realize this morning that Jesus went to the cross and thirsted? And he was able to do that because he was the only one, being the perfect one, who could redeem the souls of all mankind. Not just the past, not just the present, but the future. That's for you and that's for me. Jesus Christ paid your sin debt on the cross. Aren't you thankful today that Jesus did that 
for you and me. Do you believe that? You say, well, Pastor Justin, how do you know? Well, after Christ's death, the Father turned his death into a well of springing of living water. If you remember when Jesus was at the well and was talking to the woman at the well, he answered unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again out of the well. But if you will accept me into your life, you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Folks, this morning, you're going to always be thirsty. I was talking to one of our men in our class today. He had a water jug about the size of a gallon. Not really, but it was a lot. I was like, hey, that should keep you. He goes, well, I, I can sometimes drink two of these. I said, that's awesome. But you know what? Tomorrow you're going to have to do it again. And again. And again. But if you'll accept Christ as your personal Savior, there's no more works. There's no more having to do this or that. No, no, no. If you accept Christ as your Savior, you are saved to the uttermost. Your sins have been all washed away as far as the east is from the west. And I, for one, am thankful that Jesus Christ was willing to go to the cross to pay for our sins so that we can live in eternity with him. You say, well, how does that happen? You just must put your, push your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Just invite him into your life. Will you do that today? We'll have an opportunity for that later. But isn't it interesting that Jesus described the product of his salvation and it very ties us back to the moment of the story. God used the selfishness of Samson by dragging him back to him to create a picture of Christ for you and me today. So we see Samson's condition. It was lost without Christ. Your and I condition is lost without Christ. But I'm thankful this morning for Samson's cry, number two. Samson's cry, number two. The Bible says, He called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. Samson all of a sudden becomes religious when he is in dire straits. Reminds me of a man who had a health scare. His story said, I hugged my wife and whispered, if something happens to me, the presents in my closets are yours. She whispered back, if anything happens to you, honey, everything in your closet is mine. <laughs> God was remind, reminding Samson here that everything comes from him. Samson's only resource was prayer to God. Someone said this, the more God gives the more he encourages us to ask. May we never stop asking God for things. Samson then gives a 27-word prayer, and I want to look at that real quick. Samson speaks volumes about himself and about his God in this prayer. We see, first of all, this prayer was a cry of humility. Samson had eye trouble in verse 16. It was all about him. In fact, verse 14 says, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Samson was all about what he had done, not what God had done through him. And now he humbles himself before God and acknowledges his utter dependence upon God. Reminds me of the story about humbling. A man was concerned that he had put on a few pounds. So he exited the bathroom and asked his wife, do you think my chin is getting fat? She lovingly 
replied with a smile, which one? (laughs) Our wives sure are great at keeping us humble, are they not? But we should come to God humbly, remembering that he is a potter and we are but clay. He owes us nothing, but in his grace, he has promised us everything. Aren't you thankful today? That Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. It's interesting that when we come into his presence, we're invited to come boldly. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Years ago, Samuel Morris was born into a preacher's home in New England. He grew up as a Christian But just two years after George Washington was elected as the first president of the United States, he went to Yale, visited or uh, graduated from Yale with a prestigious degree, and he became a great artist, uh, a painter. So he went to England to kind of continue to hone his skill, and he came back. Uh, Of course, he got married, and he was in Washington D.C. painting a portrait for the one of the presidents. And he found out that his wife passed away while he was gone. He was heartbroken. And so he drove himself to develop a means of rapid communication over great distances. And it eventually led to his discovery of the telegraph. Man, he, he received so many fame, much fame and many honors. But the story goes on that Samuel Morse never was proud or boastful. He wrote this to his second wife. The more I contemplate this great undertaking, the more I feel my own littleness. And the more I perceive the hand of God in it and how he has assigned to various persons their duties, he being the great controller, all others as honored instruments. Hence, our dependence, first of all, on God, then on each other. Of course, the Apostle Paul, being used mightily of God, said this, what hast thou that thou did not receive in 1 Corinthians 4, 7? Samson was learning humility. He was learning that everything came from the gracious hand of his God. We see not only was this a cry of humility, but it was a cry of honor. Uh, the Bible says, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst or fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. Samson humbles himself and looks to God to have his needs met, but he also took the time to exalt God in his prayer. We see three ways he did this. He acknowledged God's power. He says, thou has given this great deliverance. He acknowledges God's person. He says, thy servant. For the first time, he acknowledges that God was his master. We see he acknowledges God's power, God's person, and we must also acknowledge that we are the servant to God. The Bible says, What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own, but you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We see not only through God's power, God's person, but he also recognizes God's preeminence. The Bible says there that he is worried that he might fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. And something about this, Samson realizes he could potentially bring disglory or dishonor to God's name. 
and he recognized that God is all-powerful. He recognized, finally, that God knew what he was doing. It reminds me of a story about a young man who said that it always irked his single mother that our grocery store didn't carry eggs and packages of six. They always carried them in a dozen, and a dozen was just too many eggs for their family to have, and they wouldn't always get through them all. And she wanted them to sell them in packages of six. So one day, she went to the store, and she saw, for the first time, eggs in packages of six. She was so excited. The story goes on that she bought two of them, because she couldn't help it. (laughs) And uh, oftentimes, it seems like Samson is finally realizing that dwelling in God's presence and not his own flesh is the best way. Much like that mom realized, a dozen just makes sense. Samson's finally realizing, you know what, God? I've had it all backwards. And I'm starting to understand and realize your power, your person, and your preeminence. God's preeminence and glory should be the overriding factor in every decision and every action in our life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we see Samson's condition and that he was thirsty and he needed reviving, needed renewing. We see his cry to God and God uh, heard his cry. But I think it's interesting that we see Samson's third of all, his consolation. You see, Samson didn't have to leave that day with just a simple cry to God. No, he got to leave that day with a response and a renewing from God. Notice with me God's response. The Bible says in verse 19, And God clave and hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came the water thereout. When Samson prayed, God heard him, and God answered his prayer. God didn't respond with sarcasm or, oh, Now you want to cry out for me. No, no. He heard and he responded graciously to this selfish Samson because God was changing his life. It reminds me of the story about a man uh, who had a cable repairman come to his house. And the cable repairman asked, he said, what time is it? And the man smugly replied, between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. And oftentimes we see, as we see here in Scripture, that God could give us some pretty sarcastic responses, pretty critical responses. But I'm thankful that God is a God of mercy, and God is a God of grace, and God responds. What does he do? Well, it's very interesting what he does. And if you just casually read this passage, it seems like God's being hypocritical here. It seems like things, just, it just doesn't make sense. The Bible says that he, 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 he clave in a hollow place in the jaw, and there came water thereout. Why would God use the very thing that, that, that Samson was supposed to flee from? And that was touching an unclean thing, a dead animal. Why would he use that jawbone to have water come out and use it as a glass? I mean, who would even want to use it as a cup after killing a thousand men? I don't know. But we see here, that's probably not exactly what it means. The word jaw and the word Lehi translates the same word. So many commentators believe that somewhere near the jawbone, the ground kind of opened up and the water spring came out. And we see that God was responding 
to his servant. And may I say this morning, we serve a God who hears and answers prayer. This morning, God invites us to pray in Jeremiah 33.3. He promises to hear us when we pray in Isaiah 64.5.24. He promised to answer our prayer if you read Matthew 7.7-11. 7, 7 and no prayer is too small or no prayer is too large. God can, wants to hear that most minute prayer and he also wants to be challenged to answer the very largest prayers we have. He promises, he invites us to come to him and he wants us to cast our cares upon him in 1 Peter 5, 7. But if we refuse to pray, we will see nothing happen in James 4 and verse 2. So we see God's response to Samson's prayer. But I want us to see, last of all, Samson's renewal. The Bible says there, and when he had drunk, his spirit came again and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof Elkanah, En Hakor, which is in Lehi unto this day. And Samson's weakest moment, his strength is revived by God's help. And how do I apply that to you and I this morning? May I say, in our weakest moments, we too need spiritual renewal. In times of wickedness, in times of weakness, may I remind us that God has given us a special spring of living water that will never go dry. He's given us the word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It says it breaks the stone asunder. The Bible is all we need to be daily revigorated, daily renewed, daily revived. But how oftentimes, and I have struggled this in my life as well, do we fail to get in his word, or do we fail to spend sufficient time in his word, or we fail to allow it to do that? May I say God's word is tried and true. It's always right there. But yet how oftentimes we find ourselves maybe dusting it off because it hasn't been opened recently. We see that God's word will revive our spirits. James 1.22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So we see Samson's renewed, but I see that this renewing wasn't just a fleeting moment, like it's happened before. And oftentimes maybe you've seen someone make a decision, or maybe they've decided, you know what, I'm going to do something for God. And perhaps the naysayers will say, ah, here we go again. Or yeah, we'll see it, prove it to me. But Samson here shows us in this last verse something exciting. The Bible says there, And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Now every time this phrase has been used after a judge, it always has said either, A, there was peace in the land, but it always says that they died. But not Samson here. Why? Because his judgeship isn't over yet. We're going to see his death Start next week, okay. But for at least 20 years, until that time came when he went down to Gaza, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. For at least 20 years, he is holding the Philistines at bay, and the children of Israel may not be fully delivered from the Philistines, but at least they're able to function without being in bondage. And I have to believe, though the scripture doesn't tell us much about this verse, but that Samson had a turning point in his life for at least 20 years where he's living a life of obedience. And may I say today, when you understand your condition, 
And when you cry out to God, and when God responds and renews, you and I can also be doing what God's called us to do. And for Samson, it was to judge. What has God called you to do? Are you running from it? Are you seeking it? Or have you found it? And are you doing it? Because then and only then will we truly experience the renewal that God has for us on a daily basis. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Maybe there's someone this morning that is in a dire condition. Maybe it's what I talked about a little bit. You are just a thirst, physically. You're physically depleted. You're physically drained. And you say, Pastor Justin, I am carrying a burden and a load that's just sucking the life out of me. But I'm kind of doing it on my own, and it's really bothering me. And I, I figured out this morning that I am insufficient without God. I need God. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me that I'll get, I'll give, I'll, I'll cry out to God. Will you pray for me that you will slip your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see those hands. Maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, when you were talking about what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary, and how he was willing to be a thirst for us, and in a sense, give of everything he had to redeem the souls of mankind, that struck me. I realized for the first time that I don't truly know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've never put my faith and trust in him. And I realized today that if Jesus would save me, I would love to have him do it. I would love to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would love to repent of my way of thinking, turn from my way, and I would love to give my life to Christ. No one's looking around. We won't embarrass you, I promise. But how many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Will you pray for me? Will you slip up your hand this morning? God bless you. I see that hand. Maybe there's someone in the balcony that would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Maybe there's someone down here on the main floor. Say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Just say something like this in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I deserve to go to hell. I don't want to go there. Lord, I believe and trust in you. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior in my life. I confess my sin. And I invite you to come in. Lord Jesus, please come to our heart and save me and take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many say, Pastor Justin, I just prayed that prayer for the first time and I meant it. Will you slip up your hand? I want to, pray, I want to rejoice with you, anybody this morning. How many would say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I need to get back to crying out to God more. I need to acknowledge his power. I need to acknowledge his person. I need to acknowledge his preeminence in my life. I need to come before him humbly. I need to honor God once again with my life. And I've been struggling with that. Will you pray for me that you slip up your hand? God bless you. I see those hands. Maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, I've heard God's response, but I haven't been renewed. I know God's working on my heart, but I just haven't given in. Will you pray for me that God will help me be renewed to do his will? That you please slip your hand. Maybe there's someone that's struggling with obedience. God bless you. Lord, you see the hands, you know the hearts. 
Lord, I pray you'll be with this invitation time, Lord, as we open up the invitation. Lord, you know how we do it around here. We, we have a time of playing the piano. Everyone stands to their feet, and people have the opportunity to come forward and spend some time with you. Lord, I know you've touched some hearts today. Lord, you touched my heart this week, and I pray that we'll respond to that. Or maybe there's someone that needs to follow you in baptism, or maybe there's someone that would like to join the church. We'd love to talk to them about that. Maybe there's someone that would like to rededicate their life or make a decision or have one of our assistant pastors pray with them. We'd love to do that. I pray you'll work like only you can. We sure do love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand to your feet. The piano's going to play. If God's touched your heart this morning, may I encourage you to come forward and spend some time with him. You can do it in your pew as well. But I want to encourage you to respond to the message that God has laid on your heart. Tell you what, there's nothing better than being in the perfect will of God. Oh, you may not be in ministry, you may not be uh, a teacher, a leader, but you may just be someone who's sharing their faith on a daily basis. You may be someone who is a plumber or an electrician or a builder, and God's using you to impact lives. Uh, people you come in contact with, maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, and you say, you know what, I need to I need God more. I've got to work in my heart. Take that next step of faith. As God would have you this morning, may you take a moment or two with him as the piano plays. God bless you. You may be seated. If I could have you one more time, we have some announcements we want to share with you just a minute or so, and then we'll have you on your way to see this morning. And I hope you can come back tonight for a special service. Let's watch the video. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us back here tonight at 5, where we will be hosting a musical tour group from Gold State Baptist College, and the evening service will be preached by visiting tour preacher, Brother Lallman. The international program at GVCA has the opportunity to host 33 Japanese students this August. The dates will be from the 2nd to the 14th. We are looking for several families that would be willing to host these students for those two weeks. If you would like to volunteer, please see Nicole Berkland. Mark your calendars for our upcoming events this summer. Our men's advance will be June 23rd and 24th. Join us for preaching by Pastor Stuart Mason and Pastor Jason Murphy, as well as food, fellowship, and games. Vacation Bible School will be held July 10th through the 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and is for children K-4 through 6th grade. 
Finally, don't miss our Young Adult Conference with Pastor Kurt Skelly on Friday and Saturday, August 11th through the 12th. The Best Years Club is going to Stone Cliff Inn for lunch on May 23rd at 12.30 p.m. And Transportation will leave the church at noon. To sign up for this or other upcoming Best Years Club activities, check the welcome desk for upcoming events. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay, please know two things. God loves you and uh, this pastor loves you, our church loves you. Hope you have a great, great week. You are dismissed. (laughs) 